I did not know you could rent a camel. That is um, some great information right there. We are in a series on uh, Jonah, and we're talking about a man who is running and running from God, and we're going to pick up where we left off last week. The wonderful thing about the book of Jonah is that it does tell you, um, or warn you rather, about the steps that a person takes to get in trouble, to get in a mess, in a situation, a predicament. But it also tells us how to get out of it. And I thank God for that part of the book as well. Both parts are very important. Right now we're talking about kind of how you get in trouble. and We'll get into the part about how to get out at the, uh, in a, a little bit later in this series. Man on the Run. We're looking at five stages in the life of Jonah, five stages, and uh, we looked last Sunday at stage one, and that was God's declaration. God declared to Jonah. Can I tell you this morning that God has pronounced a declaration over you? God has declared over your life. And we'll find God's declaration in the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And this is reviewing, again, what we talked about last week. Look what, it, look what it says. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. God spoke. God declared. You say, well, you know, that's the Old Testament and all that stuff. Listen, God is still speaking. God is still declaring. God is still um, speaking a word over your life, and you need to understand that. You need to begin to ask yourself, and you need to begin to ask him, what has God declared over me? What has God said to me about my place, about my life, about my calling? It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. Now this verse really gives us some awesome insight about God. And I want to say to you this morning something you may not have realized. The book of Jonah um, actually says some things about God, reveals some things about God uh, in a clearer way than any other book in the Bible. Uh, Jonah, um, it, it appears that Jonah understood some things about the character of God and who God is and, and how God does things that isn't in any other book of the Bible. So that's why it's important that you study the whole Bible. As a matter of fact, let me challenge you this morning to, to take that on and say, you know what, I want to go somewhere in the Bible I've never been. Now those of you who are new in the Lord and you're new in your walk with God, you probably want to stay in, in the book of John and Proverbs and Psalms right now in your life. But those of you who are seasoned, those of you who have been in church for a while, you know what we have a tendency to do? We have a tendency to focus in on our favorite passages and our favorite books. Be very careful about that. Uh, you want to study the whole Word of God. All of the Bible is true. Don't let anybody ever tell you that part of the Bible doesn't really matter anymore. It's all alive. From the first word of Genesis to the last word of Revelation, the whole Bible is alive. And, and the, the Bible is like no other book because when you read from the Bible, uh, you can be blessed by a passage. Did you know that 
you can go back to that same passage the next day or the next week, and it will say something different and fresh and new to you because there's no book like the Bible. So if you're not having some kind of systematic Bible study going on in your life, I encourage you to do that. At least get a good devotional uh, that you can get into the Word a little bit every day. Uh, let, me, let me give you a, one of those insights. Um, it's not an insight really that you've never heard of, but he, he really makes it kind of jump out at us. In those first two verses of chapter 1, uh, God had looked down. Think about this now. God had looked down on the nation of Nineveh, and God saw the wickedness of that city. Now, you remember last Sunday I told you God sees everything. There isn't anything God doesn't see. Anything that, that uh, any injustice that you see going on that, that appears to be hidden, it appears that somebody's getting away with an awful act. I'm telling you, God sees. God sees. I want you to hear that today. God sees, and don't worry about it being dealt with. He will deal with it. So don't get frustrated about injustices that you see going on. God sees it. He sees. And he saw the wickedness. But I want you to notice he didn't do anything initially. He didn't do anything. You know, Jonah was like some people I, I meet in the local church. Boy, they, wanna, they want you to tell that part about how God's going to just crush you if you mess up. How God's just going to nail you if you mess up. I want to show you what the Bible says right here. The Bible says God put up with it and put up with it and put up with it and put up with it because the God we serve is patient. The God we serve is long-suffering. And the Bible says he looked down on it, but he came to a place. And God comes to a place. And God said, now Nineveh, listen, I've just about had it with you guys. But before I turn out the lights on you, I'm going to send Jonah. Thought I was going to say judgment, didn't you? Before I turn out the lights on you, I'm going to send Jonah. I'm going to send a prophet. And he's going to tell you about my love. And he's going to tell you about my forgiveness. And, and I want to just remind you that all of that, all, all of the things you need to understand about the Ninevites, they were wicked. It was a wicked, at least the leadership of that nation was very wicked. The, the military arm of that nation was very, very, very evil. Very wicked. And they were ruthless and they were merciless. And they, to, for lack of a better word to say it, they were actually creative in the way they just wiped out nations, children, and, and they were very, very uh, cold and violent. And they were that way toward the children of Israel. And that's why you see Jonah in the skit we just saw, how that Jonah, he just was like, I don't want to go and, and I hate them. He did. He hated them because of what they had done to the Israelites earlier in history. And he didn't want to go preach to them. He didn't want to go tell them. But see, God, in his grace and mercy and kindness and patience, sent Jonah. But you know what God was saying to them when he sent Jonah? If you don't get your act together, if you don't get your act together, you know, judgment will come. It will come because God is a God of compassion. He is a God of patience. He is a God of love. He is a God of mercy. But he is also a God who, who has a deadline. There is a deadline. There is a line. And so, and so God is just putting forth that mercy here. But he's going, guys, this is it. I'm about to turn out the lights on Nineveh. But before I do, here comes Jonah. Isn't that awesome? 
That's God's love. That's God's love. In part one, we also reminded ourselves that just as God has a specific purpose and calling for Jonah's life, he has a specific purpose and calling for our life, and I've talked about that already. Then, uh, and I I really kind of went into this in my prayer time this morning, you can run from God in two ways, holistically. You can just say, I don't want God in my life, I don't want the Bible in my life, I don't want church in my life, I don't want anything spiritual in my life, I just want to just do my own thing. That's when you just say no to God, just no. Well, how about no? What can I, no. It's just a holistic, total, total rejection of God. But then, uh, um, for believers, for those of us who have received Christ into our heart as Savior, we also can come to a place like that, specifically. I mean, we may really have it together in some areas, um, but there are other areas where we're running. There are areas where we, where we um, say, you know what, God? You can have all this part of my life. You can have every bit of this. But this little area over here, I got to tell you, I just want to, can I just hold on to that? Can I just keep that for myself? So there's a specific running. There's a holistic running. We talked about three uh, reasons why people run. Y'all remember that last week? Everybody shake your head yes and repent later. And uh, we talked about three reasons why people run. Number one, because they think they're going to miss out. So they run from God. They go, I don't want to commit to God because, man, when I commit to God, I know i got to just bite the bullet till Jesus comes. You remember, I don't know if I talked about that with you guys or not, but back in the, I love Westerns, and back in the old days, uh, the guys in the West, you know, they would, uh, if they got shot and they had a bullet in, they'd give them a piece of leather, and they'd say, just bite down on that, and we're going to get this. Y'all remember that? A lot of people think that's how church is. I'm just going to, you know. Okay, all right, I'm going to give my heart to God and, and I'll just bite on this piece of leather till Jesus comes and takes me to heaven where it's finally be wonderful. That is not how it is. That is not how it is. God wants, hey, as a matter of fact, God, uh, Paul said to Timothy, he said, Timothy, I want you to enjoy, God wants you to enjoy the things the Lord has given you. And so uh, we found out that we're always afraid we're going to miss out on something, so we run from God. Uh, another reason we run from God is we really don't trust him. We really don't trust him because if we did, we'd just say yes every time he spoke. But we balk and we hold back because we really wonder if what he's saying is best for us. Uh, the third reason, we talked about this and closed with this last week in the message, is that um, we run because we have equated the local church and God. And somewhere in a local church, we got hurt. Um, how, how many of you know you can get hurt at church? And, and, um, and uh, we, we thought, well, that's God, so I, I'm, gonna, I'm not, church has just burned me too many times. And, and we think in turning our back and running from the church, we're also running from God. And, and I want to tell you that, the, that God and the local church aren't the same. So if you've been burned in a church, you've been, you've been hurt in a church, um, you might want to leave that church if you feel led to do that, but don't leave God. They're not the same thing. Okay? All right, so let's, uh, let's see what we got today. We got God's declaration. Now we, got, now we got Jonah's hesitation. Jonah's hesitation. We saw it in the, the drama this morning, how Jonah was just, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Jonah's hesitation. Uh, let's look at it in Jonah 1 and 3. But Jonah arose to flee run to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. He went, I, I just thought this was neat. 
the, when, when Jonah decided he was going to go in an opposite direction of where God wanted him to go, he started going down. No, notice it says, it says he went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarsus, so he paid the fare and went down into it. Isn't that, isn't that cool? Uh, I don't know if it's cool, but it's interesting. Uh, he went down, and then we know later in the story, he went, he went, uh, uh, he was down to the boat. They found out he was probably threw him over the side. He went down in the water. Very good. You're sharp. He, this early. And he went down in the water, and uh, a big fish swallowed him, and he went down in the belly of that fish. He got down there and found an altar and said, woe is me. Bible says fish went up. Isn't that amazing? So simple. You could teach this in kids' church today. When you run from God, down, 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 spiraling down. And so Jonah was going down because he was, it says it two times in this one verse, he was running from the presence of the Lord. When you run from the presence of the Lord, it's downhill. Sometimes that's why it's so easy to run. It's downhill. Okay. God's declaration was that Jonah, I've got a plan for you. God's declaration, you remember last week, was Jonah, I have a purpose. Jonah, I have a job. And after thinking about God's declaration here today in this message, Jonah says, Lord, I'm not really sure I want that honor. I, I, I really don't like those people. And let me get back with you on that, and I'll think about that. <laughs> you know, God says, and we say, well, let me pray about it. Who, who are you praying to? God said, go. I call this not only the hesitation stage, but I call it the resistance stage. We're here with Jonah at a place where he's resisting. And I got to thinking about that, and resistance is always rooted in doubt. And doubt, what are we doubting? Listen, here's what we're doubting. When we run from God, here's what we're doubting. I want you to get this. We're doubting... Whether, it, whether we admit it or not, whether, whether subconsciously we're doubting or consciously, but I'm telling you, when you run from God, here's what you're doubting. You're doubting that God really has your best interest at heart. You're doubting that. You're saying, uh, I know he made me, and I know he's a brilliant creator, and I know he loves me, and he's given me so many things, but i got to tell you, on this thing he's called me to do, I tell you, I am not sure. When you start doing that right there, you are doubting that God has your best interest at heart. I want you to hear me today. He always has your best interest at heart. Let me tell you something about the Word of God. Let me tell you something about the will of God, rather. The will of God is not always the most pleasant place in the world to be but it is always the most peaceful place in the world to be. It's not always pleasant. Sometimes it is very pleasant, but not always. There are just moments where it's not pleasant, but it's peaceful because you know, I'm where God wants me. I'm where God, and there's a, there's a sense, man, when you're where God wants you, there is a sense that comes over to you. Bring on the battles, I can handle it because I know God's pleased. Does that make sense? And, and the other thing about the will of God, I want you to understand, this is not in your notes. And again, I'm just being very generous today. I'm not going to charge you for this extra information. But Jonah, but the will of God, the will of God, I heard, I heard one of my favorite pastors say this. He said, the will of God 
is what you would choose for yourself if you had the good sense to choose it. That's how much he has your interest, your best interest. He always has your best. I'll guarantee, I promise you, 100% guarantee, write it down, I'll sign it. When you do God's will, it's always going to be, it's always going to rebound to your benefit. I promise you that. So, here at this point, it wasn't open rebellion. It wasn't, Jonah wasn't standing there going, I hate you, God, and I don't want you in my life. Get away from me. It wasn't that kind of open rebellion. It was sort of a, sort of a hesitation. But can I tell you that sin always begins with a hesitation. Now, you don't always sin after you hesitate. But if you will trace all sin back, it started with a, whoa. I love you, God, but whoa. It started right there. And that harmless little thing. You remember, you remember when David sinned with Bathsheba? It all started with him going, you guys go to battle. I was going to go with you. And I tell you, man, stuff's going so good. And I, you guys have got it. I've taught you how to be warriors. I've taught you how to win. We can't be defeated. We got it made. I'm just going to chill. A little folding of the hands, a little slumber. Just a little hesitation. Ended up with him seeing Bathsheba bathing. Lust, sin, murder. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Got to be real careful. Little stuff. Little stuff. Satan is so subtle, man. Our enemy is so subtle. Y'all hearing me out there? Sin's first an attitude. Um, you know, sometimes we're not, no, God. We're not, we're not like, no, I'm not going to do your will. It's kind of like a polite rebellion. It's like Mary and Martha. You remember when Lazarus died? Jesus showed up three or four days later. And, uh, and they met him, two days later rather. Two, and, and Martha met him. She went, if you'd been here when my brother died, he would never die. Because that's the way Martha was. Mary was that sweet little thing, so sweet, and she fell down at his feet and went, if you had been here when my brother died. Well, it doesn't matter if you're gloom or if you're so nice. Rebellion's rebellion. You can look at God and go, I hear you, God, but no thank you, sir. That's still rebellion against the will of God. Okay, so Jonah, like many of us, was saying, God, let's, let's make a little deal here on this one. I mean, you can have everything in my life, but on this one little thing, you do your thing, I'll kind of do my thing. We'll live separate lives on this one. Let's you and I just have a little peaceful coexistence on this issue. That way you and I are going to get along great. You know what God's response to that is? I don't do deals. I don't do deals. There is never going to be a time in your life when God goes, I had never thought of that. Let's sit down and talk about it. Maybe your idea is better than mine. Never going to happen. It's not going to happen. So back to Jonah. Hesitation often leads to no. It doesn't always lead to no, but it often does. Jonah went down to the city of Joppa, and he got himself a ticket on a Mediterranean cruise bound for Tarshish. And... Um, Tell you a little bit about Nineveh. Nineveh, which is where God wanted Jonah to go, was 500 miles to the east of where Jonah was. Tarshish 
was where Jonah wanted to go to get away from God. Guess where that was? 2,500 miles to the west in what is now Spain, southern Spain. So Jonah didn't just say no, did he? (laughs) Jonah didn't just go a few miles away. The old boy said, I'm going 2,500 miles away from here. And uh, so now we're at that place in this sermon series where Jonah is running. He's running from God, the running man. Number three, let's look at stage three in Jonah's life very quickly. First of all, God's declaration. Secondly, Jonah's hesitation. Now we're going to look at partially, we'll talk about this a little bit. We'll pick up next week on this deterioration because it's an important part of this message. But I want you to look at Jonah's deterioration. Jonah begins to deteriorate. Look what it says in Jonah 1, 3, last part of verse 3 through 4. So he paid the fare and went down into it, what is it, the boat, to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. Who sent a storm? I t- that's against a lot of the famous preaching of our day. You, I tell you, listen to some of these glory boys on TV. They tell you if there's ever a storm, if you just get enough faith, you'll never have any more storms. That is, that is, that is so nice to hear, but there's just one thing wrong with that. Ain't true. It's the only thing wrong with it. It's not true. But do you ever hear preachers and teachers that you get the idea that if I could just get myself up here in the Word and get myself up here spiritually and get myself up here, that I'll never have another storm in my life? Wrong answer. As long as you live in this world, you're going to have storms. You're going to have storms. Jesus went through storms. He had pretty good faith. Isn't that true? The three Hebrew boys got thrown into a fire, not because they lacked it, but because they had it. Sometimes your faith will put you in the fire. Matter of fact, if you're not in the fire occasionally, I wonder about your faith. That was good preaching. Make a tape of that for me. I want to hear myself say that again. Um, When a person decides to run from God, the deterioration begins. It begins. God sent. Let's go back to that verse, though. God sent a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. So, So when a person, when you start the run... When you start the run, when you, when you and God have kind of talked, and you've heard from him, and you decide, no, I, you know what? He can have everything else in my life, but not that. And you start that run, that's when deterioration begins pretty quick. Because God wants to bring you back to him. And it's not that God looks at your running and goes, I'm going to punish him for that. It's because you're running away from the, notice it says it, away from the presence of the Lord. Away from, when, you, when you decide, and it is your choice, you don't have to walk under the umbrella of God's protection. You don't have to walk under the umbrella of God's blessing and God's anointing and God's, God's army of angels who just are there for you. You don't have to walk under that. God wants you to walk under that. He wants you to be like that little two-year-old that just holds on to daddy's leg. He wants you right there, man. That's how he wants you, but he gives you that choice. And if you decide to run, then you're, when you run from his will, you're running from that covering. 
You're running from that covering. So it isn't, I don't want you to get this picture of God where all of a sudden when you start running, his eyes turn into the eyes of evil and he's like, I'm going to get him for that. It isn't that. You're just getting out from under that love and protection. I'll tell you what happens to God when you run. Tears come down his face. That's how God reacts to running. I think it's interesting in verse 3. And, and I don't, I, I'm probably going to pull this out of context a little bit, but at least I told you. <laughs> I just think it's interesting that the moment he runs, the very next thing is, so he paid. He went to the ticket counter and bought a ticket. The very next thing after he started running was, so he paid. It's going to cost you when you run. He paid a fare, and then right after that it says, and he went down. Listen, listen. When you run, listen, I love you. I'm not trying to be mean to you today, but when you run, it's going to cost you. And I'm telling you, there is never a time when you run that it doesn't cost, and there is never a time that it isn't expensive. It doesn't just cost you. It's like gas. I mean, my hip pocket hurts every time I pull up to the pump. I'll tell you what, man, I'm driving like an old man these days, though. Who's that old guy? That's pastor. When we reject or run from God's purpose for our lives, we pay for it in three ways. Let me give you those real quickly. And that's not in your notes, so you might want to just add that on the side. We're going to pay emotionally when we run from God. We're going to pay emotionally. Now, again, it's not because God's doing it to us. It's because we're just out there on our own. When you run from God, you're just out there on your own. You say, but yeah, but pastor, I'm still a Christian. Sure, you're still a Christian, but you've decided I'm going to do it like I want to do it. And when you do that, God isn't going to put his hand on it. So, so emotionally, and here's some, of the, here's some of the manifestations of emotional payment. Worry, guilt, fear, bitterness, boredom. Depression, those are things. I'm not saying if you're depressed that it's because you're running from God. I'm just saying these are some of the things that come when we run from God. Second way you pay, and this may, this may uh, shock you a little bit that I would say this, but you might pay physically. And again, I'm not saying that God's going to do something to you physically. What I'm saying is that when you're not in fellowship with your creator, the one who made you, when you're not walking in fellowship with him, you're just out of whack. And when you get out of whack, it affects you physically. Now, I want you to listen to me. When, when David sinned with Bathsheba, he repents of that sin in Psalm 51. So Psalm 51 is David's prayer where he said, I'm sorry for my sin with Bathsheba. I'm sorry for that. And, and I might be talking to you about repenting of, of some sin in your life, and you're like, well, I don't really know how to do that. Go to Psalm 51. David will show you how. His brother, sister, and he repented. That boy repented in Psalm 51. And one of the things he said in Psalm 51 is he talked about his bones, the pain in his bones and, and his flesh. And, and when you do a word study on that, he's saying that I'm feeling this in my body.
anxiety, this running from you, this separation from you, this thing of wanting to do my own thing, knowing what your will is. He said, I got to tell you, God, it's affected me physically. Physically. So emotionally, physically, most important, spiritually, because you're going to lack the peace of mind that comes with being in harmony with God. You're going to not, you're, the joy. See, happiness comes from what happens, but joy comes from the Lord. See, happiness is like a, um, happiness is like a thermometer. It registers the conditions. If we go up to the thermostat back there, it will show you what the temperature in this room is. And I know some of you think it's going to snow in just a minute, but some of you ladies, but, but um, it, you know, it'll show you what the temperature is. But then there is a thermostat that you can press that will set the temperature. See, happiness is, is the thermometer. It, when you're real happy, that's me, that means good stuff has happened. But when you have joy, that is because of whose you are in Jesus. When you walk in intimacy with him, you set the temperature, no matter what the conditions are. Does that make sense? So that's the difference in joy and happiness. And I want you to hear me. The world can use the word joy all it wants to, but the only person who can give joy is God. That's the only person who can give joy. He's the only source. Now, the world can give some happiness. When I'm real hungry and I go to McDonald's, I'm happy. That's why they call it a what? Happy meal, exactly. All their meals there make me happy. All right. So, so spiritually, here, let, me, let me just say this to you. Now, I want, I want those of you who minister to listen to me. I want those of you who minister, those of you who lead, those of you who teach, those of you who minister to other people, listen to me. When you run from God, he is going to take his hand off, and your ministry will go flat. He loves you. You're still his child. If you died, you'd go to heaven. I'm not saying any of that. But I'm telling you, take my word for it from experience. If you decide you're going to do it your way, he will let you. I, I've tried to stand up and declare the word of God and preach sermons and, and preach messages. When I was rebelling in an area of my life, maybe I had a grudge against somebody or my wife. I wasn't in harmony with Millie. I tell you, man, that's so important. God, God, your prayers are hindered when you're not right with the woman. Amen? And, and I've gotten up here and I'm like, oh, praise the Lord, good morning. And I'm rebelling. i got some rebellion in my life. So I get up here and I preach, you know, and I'm saying the same stuff. i got the same awesome notes. <laughs> same awesome sermon. But God's hand didn't on it. So I'm up here, my mouth is dry, and I'm going, and then, uh, then, why? This is all in Russian. Y'all see what I'm saying? If you're a prayer minister, if you're a teacher of kids, if you're a teacher of teens, whatever, I'm telling you, you can't run from God, and he'll, you'll lose the anointing. You'll lose the empowerment. So you owe it to the people you lead to stay in harmony. Let me give you two things real quick. In this third stage of deterioration, I want to talk to you about a common experience, three common experiences that running people go through 
or actually three things they do, three things all runners do. <clears throat> Number one, people who run from God always run to the most dangerous. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed when people run, they always run to the most dangerous, self-destructive places? I'm going to leave my husband, and I'm going to the clubs. Yeah, you'll find quality love there. Oh, yeah, boy. I mean, if you were an outsider and you saw Jonah getting on a boat and you knew he was running from, the go running from God, you wanted to go, don't get on a boat. So easy for God to just throw you over. The, exactly, throw you over the side. It'd be like us going, I'm going to run from God. I'm getting on I-95. You can get killed on that highway following God. I'm getting on I-40. I'm going to climb a mountain. I'm going to Mount Everest and run from God. Man, <laughs> scuba diving. I'm going on a plane. If you're going to run from God, go get into bed and cover up. Go somewhere safe. You know what I see every single week as a pastor? You know what I've learned from my own life when I was a runner, just like some of you? When we decide to turn our back on God, when we decide to run from God, we're Christians. But when we decide to try to escape God's specific calling and God's reach, we run to the dumbest places. The most dangerous places. And then we run for a while and we go, this ain't working. And we return. And what always comes out of our mouth? This question, how could I have been so stupid? We're talking about the second service, so let it rip. As we read this story, we're going to say, Jonah, not a boat. That's why your heavenly father who loves you all the time and your parents and your friends and your small group. If you're in a small group, I hope you'll get in one if you're not in one. That's why when you start to run, these people who love you, this God who loves you so much, goes, you're doing what? They ask you questions. Like, you're going where? You're going to date him? Because when we run from God, we run to the wrong relationships. We run all the wrong places. We go, you're going to marry who? You're quitting your job to do what? You're going to start a business selling what? You're going into business with him as your partner. You're investing in what? See, to those who are walking with God, your decisions look so good to you, but to them it makes no sense because they're walking with God. You're running from God. And that's why when you hear God, people you love and respect going, you're doing what? That's a good sign you're running. That's why God put those people in your life. There's somebody sitting here right now this morning. I feel this in my spirit. And you've been hearing that from somebody you know loves you. And, and instead of you saying, thank you, God, for that word, you're resisting it. And you're mad at them. You're mad at them. Because they've spoken to you and said, you're going in the wrong direction. And instead of you going, thank you so much, you're mad at them. So when you think about your biggest regret relationally, you look back and you think, how could I have been so blind? It's simple. When we turn our back and we decide to run, we always run to strange and dangerous. I, I always tell singles, I say, listen, if you're going to run from God, don't get married while you're running. You will marry the wrong person. You will wake up one morning and go, ah! 
You'll be like that guy that married the woman because she was so beautiful when she would sing. And he married her, and they spent their first night together. He woke up the next morning and looked at her after a night's sleep and went, Sing! <laughs> sing something! Seriously. So, so if you're running, don't make any major decisions. If you're running, don't, don't go, well, I'll tell you now, I'm, I'm doing that. Don't. It'll be wrong. It'll be wrong, I promise you. Get married and you got married while you were running. Now your life's miserable and you think, how could I have made this mistake? What was I thinking? Here's why. Because when you run, you always go to places that harm you. You go to places that are going to bring you pain when you're running from God. Second thing, finally, because we're going to do the third thing all runners do next week. Y'all with me? Y'all in that outline? You understand where we are in that outline? <clears throat> the second thing runners do, they, uh, people who run from God, eventually their life begins to just unravel. Now, I want y'all to hear this, and I'm, I'm almost done. I want you to hear this. They slowly self-destruct. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen in one weekend. But inevitably, their life begins to fall apart. And, and a lot of runners will say, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to go my own way. And, and maybe you're looking at them. And maybe you admired. Listen to this now. Listen. You may have admired them. But now people you admire can run. So don't put your faith in people. Because people you love and admire and respect, and listen, listen, listen to me. Even people who have mentored you can begin to run. So your eyes have to be on Jesus. I'm all about mentoring and all of that, but your eyes have to stay on Jesus. You can never worship a person or even let a person be God's representative to you. You have to have that personal relationship with God and understand that all humans are subject to failure. Amen, amen, amen. It's an important word right there. And so you're looking at them, and they're running, and you know they're running, but, but stuff's going pretty good for them. And you're like, hmm, I thought the pastor said when we run. And it may look like smooth sailing, but I'm telling you, eventually it catches up. Eventually it catches up. Again, not God, but just coming out from under that protection it's not immediate sometimes it's delayed but predicaments are going to start coming messes messes <laughs> storms God will send those God said the Bible says God sent this one to Jonah and suddenly everything's falling apart why does this happen here's why here's why the reason this happens is because when you run from God, you are running from the only source of wisdom and truth. When you run, there, when you run from God, there's not another source that's almost as good as God that you can go to and really not tell that much difference. He's the only source of wisdom and truth. And when you run from the only source of wisdom and truth, you will do dumb stuff, dangerous stuff. You might need an umbrella. I've got the spit thing going. 
you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna do the wrong thing when you run from him. Listen, you know what? I, one of the things I love about Whitley Church and I love about the bridge is that we just got a whole bunch of ex-runners. I love that. I love that about our church. I love the fact that people come and go, I've been to a lot of churches and they just won't accept me and I'm running and my life's a mess and I need, I need y'all to help me stop running. I love that. I love it, man. And if you want our church to be some kind of isolated bubble where people got to pass all kind of tests to come here and be a part of our church family, you're in the wrong place. Because we love like Jesus here. And if we don't, we're working on it. We want to love like him. Amen, amen. So we got a bunch of ex-runners here. But here's what I've discovered. I've discovered that when people stop running, listen, listen, there's still scars from the running. Bad marriage, bad finances, emotional stuff. And so, and so we got to be there. We got to be there for those who have been running and they're ready to stop running, but there's still wounds and scars. They're still there. But, but if you want to heal, the, let me tell you something. If you're running and you're ready to heal from your running, the best, quickest way to get overall is stop running today. Today, don't run another day. Don't run another minute. Stop running today. Father, in the name of Jesus, your son, speak to every runner in this house. Reveal to Pharaoh Hardison first, if there are areas in my life where I am running from you, deal with the leader first, God. I pray you will. I receive your correction. I receive your conviction in my life. If I am running as the pastor of this church, if I am running as Millie's husband, if I am running as Brandon and Mitch's dad, if I am running, if Pharaoh Hardison is running, start with me. Show me, oh God, where I'm rebelling against you and running. Because I know that will lead to harm and pain, danger. Speak to every person here this morning who's running. Somebody's running, God, and they don't want to give their life to you. And if they die in the condition they're in now, they're going to go to hell. They're going to go to they're going to go to eternity without you. And so I pray right now that if there's anybody here like that, that you'll say, no running for me, I'm done. I'm done because the more I run, the worse it gets. Lord Jesus, who died on the cross. Lord Jesus, who was buried and hopefully forgotten, yet three days later rose from the dead. Lord Jesus, risen from the dead, you are my only hope. You are my only hope of salvation. And I've been running from you, Jesus, and I am a sinner, and I am lost without you, and I need you into my life. So come, Jesus, and save me, but also be my master. Save my soul from sin, but then sit down on the throne of my heart and be my Lord and be master of my life. I give my life to you today, God. No more running. I need you in my life. Now, believer, you pray. God, show me that place, that specific thing. He's probably already shown it to you. But just say, God, give me courage. I stop running in that right now. Give me strength. Help me trust you, God. Help me not question whether you have my best interest at heart, but help me to trust that you always do. I'm not going to run in that. I'm going to do it. 
I'm going to do it. And it even scares me to say it, but God, I'm going to do it. Because I know that even though it's a step in the dark and I don't really understand everything, I know you will, you will not let me alone with that, so I'm going to do it. A peace will come when you say that. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you came in today and you didn't know where you were with God, but this morning you decided to stop running and you said, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life, would you just lift up your hand and say, that happened to me today? Would you just do it right now? Put it up and put it down real quick, real quick. Real quick, God bless you. Thank you. Father, we give you our lives. Walk with us each step. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for coming today. Visitors and guests, don't forget to pick up a gift bag before you leave. God bless you. There's a passion in my heart For the world to see